G'day, my name is Eero and you're listening to my podcast which is called Imperial Rebel Orc Podcast. On today's show, episode 18, would you believe, I'm talking scale. Pick up the brushes, pick up the paints, pick up the models and crank the music because it's time for The Imperial Rebel Orc Podcast. Do you guys do that thing, I'm sure you do, where you might look up something on YouTube. Could be anything. Could be just a documentary. Could be how to hotwire a car. <laughs> I don't know. It could be anything. But you type it in. You watch that that show, that little clip. And then in the sidebar, you see, ah, oh, how to open a can of beans quicker. Or you see another documentary on Hitler's hidden sexual side, <laughs> whatever it is, and then you click on that one, and then again, you click on another one, and so on and so forth, and you end up going down that rabbit warren of videos, or it can happen on web uh, websites as well, you might have one idea to look up something, and then that leads you to something else, or there's a link, and you click on that link, and that takes you somewhere else, and it just goes on and on. Well, that's what <laughs> that's what happened to me recently when I decided to look up scale when it comes to miniatures. There are so many forums on scale and it just goes on and on and on. Yeah, there's no definitive answer, which I suppose there really can't be because there is so much variance when it comes to miniatures. Um, the big one being 28 millimeter scale or 148th or 156th, or hero scale. <laughs> There's, actually some forums have, the people on there have got quite heated with the whole discussion, the whole debates. What's what? What's the right size? Are oh, these hands look too big for this scale, so it can't be 156. This is a true scale. This isn't true scale. It just goes it just goes on and on, and you <laughs> someone like me just sitting there scratching my head, going, "Guys, I just, I just want to know if like the new dust miniatures are a similar scale to the Primaris Space Marines. That's all I want to know, guys." But they, they just, yeah, they really get quite heated. So what I've taken to doing is, if I do have a question of scale, usually someone, some smart man out or smart man or lady out there has decided to take a photo, do a comparison photo of the different scales. And that's all I kind of really need. So type in, you know, what is the scale of Saga miniatures or Beasts of War miniatures and Google image and you're going to find some sort of comparison photo. Sometimes they don't label the comparison photo, so <laughs> they're kind of just assuming that you know all the different what the different miniature manufacturers are. But most of the time, there's a little inscription at the bottom saying this is Games Workshop Imperial Guard, and this is Victrix uh, Napoleonics Range or whatever it is. And that's all I need. That's that's just enough for me. Why is scale so important? Well, for someone like me who's big on conversions and kit bashing, then because I'm going to go to this manufacturer, to this manufacturer, you know, getting bits and bobs from everyone, then it's kind of, you know, it's got to work. It's got to, you can't have like a hero scale head on a tiny Eureka miniature, you know. Um, it just it just looks too odd. Like I'm all about odd. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I like things that are a bit weird and wonderful, of course. But at the same time, you're still working, I'm still working in some sort of realm of 
plausible reality. But it's the same thing for people doing dioramas or um, electric um, train uh, models and set pieces and things like that. Because say if you're doing a diorama and you've got a, a car crash scene uh, and there's, there's a bunch of zombies swarming over the cars and there's two people inside the cars trying to shoot the zombies. That's a cool, that's a cool diorama. Um, <laughs> it's no good if the, the zombies are, you know, one, three, five scale and then the car is uh, one, four, eight scale because there is a difference and you'll see it and it's pretty obvious and it just doesn't quite look right. And yeah, like so, so in a diorama setting, it's kind of got to work as well, depending on what you're doing, of course. Like I said, if it's based in some sort of reality, if you've, if you've got a spaceship, then it can be whatever you want, really, unless you've got little, uh, unless you've got the spacemen walking around on top of the spaceship, then yeah, then size does matter, as they say. Uh, yeah, I, I just think visually, when you're looking at the finished piece, it's it's got to work with your with your mind, with your eyes. You know, you don't want to just sit there and go, "It's cool, I like the way it's painted," but the men are the men walking around the spaceship are far too big for that spaceship. Behind the scenes, well, let's be honest, it's actually sitting on the uh, sitting on the shelf collecting dust. I do have another project, a, a very large medieval project, and in that project, I'm going to be mixing up different supplies of miniatures. Just to name a few, there will be Fireforge miniatures, War Games Foundry, Gripping Beast, Warlord Games. Um, so there's a there's actually quite a few ranges of miniatures in there because it's come thinking of huge vast armies but you know I don't know I, I think that's okay on mass so if you're if you're painting a few for a little war band and you've got really different scales then of course it's going to stand out like dogs what's it's but on a mass scale if you're fielding these huge armies, then uh, doesn't you can sort of you can sort of cheat a little bit and and get by and just sort of you know just sort of go well this guy is you know he's big boned compared to his skinny little friend then for another army for the medieval project i've also got chaos marauders and blood reavers um or blood reapers blood reavers or blood reapers either one sounds cool to me but they're bigger scale basically and the way my fluff, the backstory, um, allows for that is that these aren't, or they are human, but they're like a, uh, a morphed human. They're a genetically modified human, like a space marine, I suppose, but in the medieval world. So some witchery and skullduggery has been going on behind the scenes to make these brutish, hardcore, taller, muscular warriors facing off against these tiny little gripping beast um, medieval dudes. So I guess what I'm saying is that you can you can make it your own. You can twist the rules a little bit to make the scale work. But in my personal opinion, not in every scenario, not all the time. Like I said, with, with the cars and the zombies, but say in the medieval setting, if I've got um, a whole bunch of medieval dudes in a sort of a, a 156th scale, but their siege weaponry is 135 scale, then that just, it's, it's going to look ridiculous when I take my photos and post them on my blog, you know? It's just people straight away going to go, and, uh, 
Okay, so are they dwarves or little folk hobbits or something? Like, they look really small compared to your, your siege weapons, dude. Personally, I think scale is important to a degree. That's what I'm really sort of getting to is that you can make anything work if you really want to. You can you can use your own imagination to twist things and and write a backstory to make things work to a certain degree. But yeah, as I say, it's still got to kind of work for your eye. If if the weapon and you know, we don't want to go down that track again with the whole weapons of games workshop compared to the people holding them. It's a bit crazy. It is a bit crazy cuz hero scale is crazy. But you know what? It most of the time 95% of the time when I look at the models, it kind of just works. You kind of just go, well, yep, the Katashin jungle fighters are holding flamers that are that are massive compared to them, really. But they're muscly dudes and they can handle it. <laughs> it's like it's like Hollywood, you know, like, uh, what's his name? Rambo, John Rambo, holding an M60 machine gun and just casually firing it from the hip while he holds the, the bandolier or the bullet belt in the other hand. Now, <laughs> I think in reality, that would knock a man down if he tried to do such a thing. But it's the movie, so you sort of just go, yeah, but that's cool, it looks cool, sounds cool, and yeah, so we just go with it and we just believe it. And I think that's what you can do in the miniature world to a degree as well. Now, if you know, Rambo picked up a plane and threw it at someone, you'd go, what the hell, that's ridiculous. But if Superman did it, you go, well, that, that kind of works. In the past, when I've explored scale, it's been to do with things like getting cars for Warhammer miniatures. Um, what I've learned through a couple of people on Instagram, actually, is that the 143 scale works quite well for most miniatures, I'd say. It kind of works well for orcs. You can get by with 135 scale for orcs as well, I've found. Um, and 148 scale for orcs. Now I'm complicating things, aren't I? But again, it sort of just, yeah, depends on the manufacturer, depends on the type of model, you know, and it sort of depends on your own imagination as well. So you might get a, uh, you might get a bulldozer, right? And it's, and it's huge, but it kind of works all right for orcs but wouldn't work okay for Imperial Guard, that kind of thing. So it's all, it's it's a little bit of trial and error, doing a bit of research online and all that kind of thing and, and finding what works, but also sort of going, well, you know, giving yourself a, don't give yourself a hard time if it's not 100% accurately, uh, you know, or accurate, full stop. Like it, it, you can have a bit of leeway, you know, like no one's going to, burn you for sort of if, if it's slightly out but if it's massively out then consider yourself burnt i want a bigger gun no i need a bigger 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 gun my name is Eero. you're listening to imperial rebel orc podcast and we have another hobby spotlight and I really don't know where to start with this guy because he is just, he's a god. He really is a god amongst men. But I've got to start somewhere. So let's start with the fact that he is Australian. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Us Aussies, now this might sound arrogant, but us Aussies are the best humans in the world. So having a country that's the best, clearly the best country in the world and full of Australians that are the best people in the world, 
imagine being this guy, a Zazzle, who is the greatest of all of them. <laughs> Obviously, I'm being a bit silly, but I am definitely a bit of a fanboy when it comes to this guy. His work is just absolutely sublime. Like, sublime. Just, you cannot fault it. I'm sure he faults his own work. In fact, I, I know he does. When he, when he does his blog posts, that's where I discovered him on, um, on WordPress, he... Yeah, he can be a bit, a little, little bit critical of his own work, but then most of us are. And you know what? I'm sure if there is such a person as God, um, I don't want to get into that debate, but if there is such a person, I'm sure he sort of looks at what he's made and gone, uh, yeah, could have, could have done better. That 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 Luke guy who calls himself Eero could have could have made him a, a little bit better, I suppose. As I've mentioned about other hobby heroes of mine that I'd love to meet. Meeting a Zazzle is actually a doable thing. I don't want to get, I don't want to sound like a stalker, but <laughs> um, he's in Australia. I'm in Australia. We've connected online. He seems like a cool dude. Clearly, he thinks I'm a cool dude. So <laughs> there's a chance we could get together at some point um, and maybe even have a game or something. Or maybe he could just teach me all the tricks that he's got in his in his box of tricks when it comes to painting miniatures. There's never a dull moment when it comes to Azazel's blog posts. There's always something brilliant to see. There's always something different to see. He he clearly loves the Warhammer stuff, uh, especially sort of the older models. Um, but but at the same time, he does medieval a lot of medieval um, paintings. Uh, sorry, uh, miniature paintings. He does uh, some some f- weird and far out miniatures that I've never heard of. Uh, <laughs> he does like old Kickstarter models that he might have, have sort of rattling around in his box somewhere, and he goes drags them out and goes, "Yep, I'll give them a lick of paint." And yeah, every single piece though is an absolute work of art. This bloke could paint a toilet brush and make it look good. You know what I mean? Like he's got the skills. He's he's got the skills, and he's developed them over time, according to him. Like he did wasn't wasn't a born painter, I'm sure. <laughs> or maybe he was. Maybe he was. But he obviously has the patience and an eye for detail because he just picks out everything perfectly. Perfectly, everything is highlighted perfectly. His freehand work is just astonishingly good, like just wow, just blows my mind every time I see it. Even like a simple like scatter piece, a scatter piece of terrain, he'll put the effort in to make it look just right. I remember, I think it was last year that he did some orc uh, scatter terrain. I think it was like a junk pile or something. And it looked, it was amazing. It was, <laughs> it was like, it looked real, and that's how good he is a painter, that it, his, his miniatures and his terrain pieces, they actually come alive. They look so realistic. The The effect he, or the, the standard he reaches is just out of this world. Up until recently, he was big on, um, you know, getting the community engaged by running a, a contest, not contest, a, um, a challenge, a, a challenge, a miniature painting challenge every month just to get people 
finishing off like that squad of space marines they've had sitting there since 1997 or finishing that that centerpiece that big monster that you you know you know we might have base coated about three years ago but you haven't really done much with it since so he really encourages everyone to just keep painting keep pushing yourself uh, technically and stuff like that but the main thing keep painting get stuff finished don't just leave it sitting there collecting dust like get them done and i think that's something to be applauded because we're we're all guilty. All of us can put our hand up and say, yeah, I, I've started so many things and haven't finished them in the miniature world. I bought these this box of uh, Tyranids and I had every intention of building them and painting them to look really cool. And you know what? Three or four years later, they're still there. So he really does encourage you and, and inspire you to pick up the paintbrushes and get stuck in. I'd say he has his finger on the pulse when it came to the, comes to the gaming world as well. Like he was the first one to sort of notify me about Gaslands, um, the sort of post-apoc game done with cars. I've yet to dive into that, but it's definitely something I think I will later on down the track because, I mean, I mean it's Matchbox cars and it's uh, post-apocalyptic and it's also making them rusted and damaged and strapping massive guns to cars. So... What's not to like, really? <laughs> but, you know, he's also, uh, you know, uh, mentioned, like, yeah, like I said before, Kickstarter games and, and all that kind of thing, too, like random sort of stuff that I've never really heard of. And he just, I don't know, he just seems to be maybe not on the very forefront of what's going on all the time, but he's he's very close behind it. So he, something will come out, and he's, he's fairly quick to sort of go, hey, check this out. He seems to have a real mad passion for dwarves. Dwarves and elves, not really my cup of tea. So I had a whole bunch of dwarves. I was going to do some like really weird macabre uh, seven dwarves kind of thing with them. But you know what? I thought, no, no, no. I'd rather give them to him because he would love them and he would paint them so much better than I ever could. Uh, so, yeah, so I recently sent those to him along with a... Um, a model of Lord Flashheart. I think I mentioned him a few episodes back, but yeah, I sent him the uh, the extra one. I bought two, and I sent him the extra one because I'd love to see what he does with it and how how well he paints it. So, if you want to find the great man and his great blog and his fantastic art, um, you can type in Azazel's Bits box. I'm sure you'll find him that way, but if you want the exact address, it's azazelx.com. So, A Z A Z. ALX.com. I'll give you that one more time. AZAZALX.com. And you'll find his work. <laughs> it makes me so sad that Eero doesn't like elves. What's not to like about us? <laughs> If you'd like to find my blog, you can just type in imperialrebelorc.wordpress and you'll find me. You can also find me on Instagram under the same name and you can also find this podcast, <laughs> which is weird to say because you're, you're clearly listening to it. But yeah, Imperial Rebel Orc Podcast and you'll find this podcast. <laughs> I don't even know why I said that. As far as what I've been up to, I've been exploring... Another passion of mine, which is writing. So I've been writing uh, this sort of ongoing series slash story thing called Malus, M-A-L-U-S, not Malus as M-M-A-L-I-C-E. 
Uh, I've been exploring dystopian worlds, dystopian future, you know, that settings, that kind of thing, science fiction. And, yeah, uh, and artists as well, such as uh, Simon Stalenhag. Stalenhag. Um, yeah, he's a Polish digital artist who does a lot of... Um, you know, his, uh, his liking is for dystopian sort of looking things. Actually, there's a show on Amazon Prime, I think it is, called uh, Tales from the Loop, which is uh, based on a lot of his work. I definitely recommend you go and look up that movie. Oh, sorry, sorry TV series. It's quite, uh, it's quite a slow burn, but it's a good show. And I think, yeah, because I've been exploring all that kind of stuff, I've been, yeah, was inspired to start writing my own little dystopian future story thing. It's not going to be a massive book or <laughs> anything like that, just a, a little ongoing series that I'm doing on the blog. Um, yeah, as I say, it's called Malus, M-A-L-U-S. I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't really want to give the plot away too much. It's basically about a guy who's been sent out on a mission, a top secret mission. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say. And yeah, some adventures along the way. Um, but uh, how that relates to miniatures is that the photos I'm doing are going to be of that sort of look. So uh, a very, very Simon Stalenhag inspired. Um, so that dystopian setting with some sort of weird robotic structures and landscapes and yeah just I don't know I can't really explain it too well actually but just a bit off a bit weird and intriguing and a bit sort of stark I suppose is the word uh yeah so I've you know I've started that that's it's not going to take over anything it's just something I'm sort of um, plotting away at by behind the scenes still very much stuck into Hellgate and uh, yeah, I'll have you know, I'll have you know that I've made a good start on some Zulu warriors for my Rorks Drift project. I've done, um, I've done some base coding, and I've also decided to yeah for their some of their loincloths and and headbands. I'm going to be doing some experimenting with um, contrast paints. Uh, so that's me, guys. That's been episode 18. Short but sweet today. Hope you enjoyed it. I'll see you on episode 19. Stay safe. You've been listening to The Imperial Red Owl Podcast.